this morning about a, a, an aspect of love that is little understood, but very impactful if we, if we can understand how, how this works. And I was thinking about this, is on our camping trip, so it was, it was me, two, two, two of my boys, our friend Reese, and then my youngest daughter, Amzie. My wife, Reagan, and our oldest daughter, Anna, are in Poland on a mission trip right now, along with three other people from Bluemont. So people were just all over the place. And so we were doing this camping trip where it was gonna, we were going to be gone for eight days together, and only one night were we staying in a place with a bed. We stayed in my cousin's house in Alabama, but the rest it was all camping. And so if you can imagine, my youngest daughter, Amzie, is seven, and then it's four other dudes on this trip, and she's like the baby of the family, and then it's all these guys, and we're going out into the wilderness, and you know, by like 12 hours into it, or at least definitely by day two, she looked like she'd been living in the woods for a week already. I mean, she was like, she was already tan, but her tan got darker. There was, there was perpetual dirt on her face the whole time. Um, she, we tried to get her to brush her hair, but like, she just looked like her hair was all, you know, trying to grow some dreads or something half the time. It was just, it was funny, but I, but it struck, it's funny when you're with people for a week in close, close proximity, you get to know each other better than you did before. And it's funny, even my own kids, who I thought I knew what was going on in their life, and I had stuff sort of emerges that you're like, oh, I didn't realize this is where you're at. This is what's going on. And I'm sure they were thinking the same thing about me. They probably already knew. They were like, oh, Dad, enough of that. You need to change. But, but Amzie, one of the things with her is, she, so she's the youngest of our family. We have five kids. She's the baby. And she kind of, she's the princess. She's the youngest. It's, it's, it's you know, we all love her. But about, about a day and a half into, a, into this, we started to realize Amzie's way too much of a baby for a seven-year-old. Like, there's plenty of stuff that she should be able to do that she is not doing because she's used to other people doing it for her. So, like, the brushing hair. It was like, oh, I can't brush my hair. It's like, wait a minute, you're almost eight years old. You should be able to brush your hair. This isn't really difficult. You take the brush and you bring it through. But, you know, girls' hair, I guess, I've never had it. But it gets all tangly and, you know, it's uncomfortable. So she's used to having other people do that difficult chore for her. But it was amazing how many things along the way that came up where we say, Amzie, can you, um, can you clean up the trash in the back seat? I can't. <laughs> like, what, what do you mean you can't? No, it's not that hard. You can. And then so a minute later, I, okay, Dad, I, I did my, I, I tried. It was like, what do you mean? You like, picked up one thing and there's still a zillion other things of your trash strewn around the back seat. That's not trying. But we learned that she has... She's often says, I can't, and I tried, just mean, when really it means I don't want to try very hard. You know, there are, so there was thing after thing like this. One night she came to me and was like, Dad, um, can, you open the, can you open the tent for me? I can't find the zipper. And I'm like, Amzie, you can find the zipper. Uh, you're gonna do, you can do the exact same thing I can do. Just go along the edge until you find where the zipper in is. But this was like discipleship going on, like trying to get through. But she was, it was amazing. Like, so more than once, like, Andy, it's time to stop. You need to get your shoes on. Oh, I can't find my shoes. She'd go out with like one flip-flop off and on and one sandal because she, she couldn't find her other sandal. But it was like, I can't find my sandals. Like, no, Andy, try, Andy, try a little harder. 
I can't find it. And then, like, we glance back, and it's, like, right under her knee, under her, under her bench seat in the back. It's just, no, you need to learn to try harder. And what, are we, what I'm talking about today is we all are like Amzie. We all have stuff in our life where we're kind of stuck in a certain mentality, in a certain level of living. And for us to get past where we're at, it takes more than just being nice to us. If I was just nice to Amzie, if I was just nice to Amzie and did everything for her forever, it wouldn't be very cute when she's 21 years old and she can't find her slipper or her sandal or whatever it is, or she can't find the zipper on the tent. If love is not just always being nice to people, it is always being kind to people, but it's, it takes more than that. It takes loving people enough to get in their life and to help them to go to the next level. And the Bible gives us very explicit and, and great descriptions of, of, of what, how this works and how we can participate in that better, but that if we really love people, we'll be part of that process, and we will be recipients of that process, too. So I'm going to, um, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4. Before we do that, let's, let's pray together and ask God to really open his, his word to us. God, I thank you that you're so good. Thank you that you, you love us so much and that you call us up into, into more and you call us into that process with other people. God, would you give us insight today that would change our lives. We trust you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Ephesians 4. And if you have your, your, your handout, um, there's some notes. It's kind of a little different format um, we're following today, so it would be helpful to take notes either there or if you have a notebook. And I would encourage you to uh, we're going to move through a couple passages. They'll be on the screen, but if you, wanna, if you have a Bible or an app on your phone, it would actually be helpful to, to open it up and look at it because we're going to be moving ahead, but it would be helpful to look back a little bit and see what I'm talking about. So Ephesians 4, verse 11 says, And he, speaking of, of Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints, that means to equip all the believers, for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood or adulthood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. And so this passage, the, the context is it's talking about how we're called to love each other, how we're called to be humble and, and patient, and then it talks about how God gave gifts to the, the church. God gave gifts to the, to the world, and that is he deposits spiritual gifts, spiritual abilities in believers that are, for the, that are for, to help other people. And he goes on, he describes some of those gifts are the, these these ministry roles in the church, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. It talks about how we're given these gifts, but their goal is to build up, to equip the believers for the work of ministry. So in other words, it's not just about a few people having a, a calling, but it's all of our responsibility. We, we all have a ministry that God gives us. And so, basically, God calls every one of us to grow up. Like Amzie. 
It's God wants us to, to grow up. He doesn't just call us to, to get saved and have, have uh, fire insurance for when we die and we know we'll go to heaven. But when we're born again, we're spiritual infants. But God doesn't want us to stay there. He wants us to grow up into the maturity, into the full purpose that he has for our life. And sometimes, like Amzi, that's not easy. Sometimes it doesn't feel naturally. So God calls every one of us to grow up into maturity. But he not only calls us to grow up, but he calls us, as we grow up, to help the church grow up. And that's, that's what this passage is talking about, that we're equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. And so it's the, the calling of, of every believer to grow up, and as you grow up individually, to help the church grow up, to help the body of Christ grow. And then, and what's really implicit in that is to help others grow up because helping the church grow up that seems to just be like this nebulous thing but the way the church grows is as individual believers mature and grow and become who God called them to be and so that's what God calls calls all of us to to be you guys following all right so God calls us to grow up help the church grow up and help others grow up so how how do we do that well the very next verse gives us a big clue it says rather Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Everyone say, speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love, that's right. That's, as we speak the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So it's breaking down here. How does, how does this happen? How do we grow up? How do we help the church grow up? How do we help others grow up? Well, really, two things I see here is that um, first we... I have that in my notes? I don't see it in my notes, but basically we... Oh, yeah, there it is. This happens as each one of us is personally connected to Jesus. So it's important to know this whole thing I'm talking about, if it's just about, hey, try harder, do the right things, you need to mature, you need to shape up, you need to be a better Christian, you need to be a better person, that misses the whole point. This says, as um, we're to grow up into him who is the head, into Christ, from him the whole body is joined and held together as every, every joint um, is connected as well. But it's con- as we're connected to Jesus, as we're each connected to the head, that's where our energy source comes from. That's where our change source comes from. That's where our life source comes from. So all of this, if it's just us trying to be good people, it's pointless. But this is the result of us being connected to God and through a personal relationship with Him. And as, as, we, as that grows and as we're connected with Him, then we grow up and then we can help others grow up. So it's as we're personally connected to to Christ. And then, the other aspect of this is it says, as we speak the truth to others in love. So, we grow up through people speaking truth to one another in love. So, Amzi isn't going to learn that I can and trying is more than you think trying is until someone, hopefully her dad, sits down there and says, Amzi, 
I know you think you've tried, but you can do more. You, you can keep looking until you find that flip-flop. You have the ability. You are seven years old, and God has given you strength and a mind. You can do this. That has to happen, or she's not going to grow up. And the same thing is true for me, and the same thing is true for you. Uh, we all have areas of our life where we're stuck. Where we're stuck in a certain way of thinking, certain mentality, certain strongholds, certain barriers. And I know I like to think I can overcome stuff by myself. I'm naturally a pretty independent person. But the reality is, I need other people speaking the truth to me in love to help me get past those barriers. And I think we all, if we look at our life and the real change in our life, that's how much of it happens, right? Don't we all have stories, hopefully, where like someone said something to us and it was like, oh man, I had that. maybe it hurts to hear that, but I needed that. I love Rob Zima's story. He, always, he tells it a lot, that how before he, was, he, before he was really following Christ faithfully, and, but he was a Christian in name, but not in lifestyle. And he was out late one Saturday night drinking with his friends, and as they were getting toasted, his friend looked at him and said, Rob, you're the worst Christian I know. <laughs> you know I don't know if that was in love, but, I'm not, but the result was loving. That that truth came into Rob's heart and pierced him, and he knew, oh my goodness, I am a hypocrite. And here, my, my, my friends that aren't even Christians, they can see it. They can see the reality. And that was what propelled him. That was a, a powerful thing that helped him come to the place of transformation. We all, we all have those stories. Um, and that's, 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 that's how God works. Um, so, how does this work? What are, I just want to go real... You guys following me? Yeah. Do we have some of those stories? You guys think of stories in your own life? Are you grateful for those, those interactions? Yeah, I know I, know I am. But do you crave those interactions? <laughs> no, I, I don't really. I mean, it's like, oh, it's... I mean, I do because I've benefited from it so much, but still, it's, it's painful. It's, it's especially in the really areas of our life that we can be defensive about and insecure about. Um, what, how, what, are, what are ways we can speak the truth to others in love? Well, just really quickly, three ways to speak the truth in love. One is just encouragement. A lot of people think that, oh man, if God spoke, I don't want to hear God speak to me because he's mad at me. I've told this story a few times, but it's, it's one of my favorites. I was at a, at a conference one time, kind of similar to the one that a dozen of us were at the last, last few days, and there was a man who was very gifted with the gift of prophecy, where, which prophecy is where God speaks to you encouraging words for other people, and usually encouraging, most of the time. And this was, a, this was a group of mostly pastors and campus ministers. And we were in a room of probably about, about as many people as in this room. And the man up front said, oh, I, he, was, he, was, he was prophesying over people, saying what God put on his heart for their lives individually. And he's, he said, um, is there someone in here? He didn't know the people in the room. He said, is there someone in here named Robert? And nobody responded. And he waited for a minute and said, okay, well, what about you? 
And he pointed to a guy in the back row. Can you come on up? I think God's got a message for you. And the guy walks up, and the Jim LaFoon's the guy who was, he was there. He said, what's your name? The guy goes, Bob. <laughs> and he was Robert. But, and he was a pastor. But he was scared that, oh, man, God's got what, God has something for me. Uh, this, I don't think I want to hear it. He's, he's, probably got, he's probably a little perturbed with where I'm at right now. Just, and the guy was living, and, it was, and the, the message that came was, was so encouraging, so visionary, so God being for him, and God having dreams, God having plans for his life, and amazing things. And that's so often how it is. Like, the truth that God has for us is encouraging. That God believes in us more than we believe in ourselves. And he wants to encourage us. And so we can always, I mean, if we're encouraging the people, we are speaking the truth, because that is the truth of God for the people around us. Um, an aspect of this is prophecy. Like I just mentioned, the Bible says in, in 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians 14, I'll just read it here on the screen. Um, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who prophesies builds up the church. So you may think, like when I tell the story of, oh, there was a guy with prophetic gifts, you're like, oh, man, I don't even know if that's real. Does God ever do that? Does, especially today, does he do that? But if it is real, it's probably like the really special people, like the saints, you know, those, those really holy people. But Paul is writing to us, to, to all the believers, and he says, hey, pursue love. And desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So he's, it's a commandment in the Bible that we're supposed to pursue spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. And so we have to ask, are we obeying God's word? Are we pursuing what God has told us to pursue? And why is that? It's because the one who prophesies, the one who hears a word from God for other people, is giving something to people that builds them up in a way that changes their life, that has the, the power, the potential to change their life. And I know, man, the prophetic words that I've received from other people are some of the most encouraging things that have made the biggest difference in my life. And even just the past few days, there were a couple of those that really were just so encouraging. And so, if we want to speak the truth to others in love, this is something that God calls every one of us to pursue. Say, God, would you speak to me? Would you speak to me your prophetic words for people around me? Would you give me an impression in my heart? of what you want to do in Karen's life, in Fred's life, and give me something so that I can speak something to them from you that could change them. So encouragement, prophecy, are, are two amazing ways to, to help build people up. And then the third one we're going to look at is, is a little different. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. This is a very familiar passage. Actually, one of the uh, you'll, you'll probably recognize it. And we start reading here. Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 1. This is Jesus teaching here. And Jesus says, Judge not that you be not judged. This is one of the two scriptures that like every, belie- every unbeliever knows. Every unbeliever knows, Judge not that you not be judged, and God is love. Right? Uh, that's like, hey, yeah, everybody loves that idea. Judge not that you not be judged, and God is love. He goes on and says, For with the measure that you pronounce, or for with the judgment that you pronounce, you will be judged. 
And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that's in your own eye? So, this is a pretty direct statement Jesus is saying. Don't judge others, or you'll be judged yourself. He says, with whatever standard of judgment you use, however you judge other people, you're going to be judged by God that same way. And so, there's this very pretty direct instructions. Hey, don't, don't judge others. It, it sounds, and a lot of times when we hear this, our minds naturally go to kind of like the, uh, the bumper sticker that, that we all are familiar with. And I, actually, there's a picture of it here, the, the coexist bumper sticker, right? Like this, we kind of like this idea, like, okay, we all coexist together. We have our Muslims and our Hindus and our feminists and our Wiccans and our pagans and the Christians and Man, the, the problem in the world is because we're so judgmental towards people who are different from us. But if we would all just coexist, the world would be a happy place. And that sounds pretty good, right? I mean, what, what could be wrong with that? And it certainly is true that we should um, not be judgmental towards others and be accepting of everybody, be, be loving of everybody. But where, there's the question is, well... Are there any lines that we should draw? What about the bigots? What about the racist? What about the sexist? Should we just happily coexist with them? What about the rapist? What about, you know, are all religions equally beneficial to people? Is it really the most compassionate thing to just coexist with everything? And Really, I believe that what Jesus is saying when he's saying, um, don't judge lest you be judged, he's not saying that we don't make any judgments. Because actually later on, or a different place in, in John, Jesus says, judge with righteous judgments. And we, we have to make judgments in life. But I think what he's saying here is don't be judgmental. Be very careful about judging other people. It's, it's very, very important. Very, be very, very cautious and careful about being, being judgmental towards others. Um, but if you go on in this passage, in, in verse 4, this is, this is really interesting. It says, Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? And we know, like, we all know other people who do that, right? Like, they're saying, oh man, how can you do this? And then they're doing the very thing themselves, or it's an even bigger issue, a much bigger issue in their life. But it's hypocrisy. We all hate hypocrisy. And Jesus says, hey, well, that's, we all tend to do that. How, but how can you do that? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Let me ask you this. What's the goal... What is Jesus saying is the goal of, of these instructions? Of don't judge lest you be judged. Look at the log in your own eye. Take that out. Deal with that before you can take the speck out of someone else's eye. What's, what's, what's the bottom line here? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Look, judge yourself first. Look inward before you look outward to others. Yeah. 
Think about why that whole thing about a speck in your brother's eye. Like it would, if Jesus would have just stopped and said, hey, there's a log in your eye, how come you're looking at a speck in your brother's eye? Then it would have been just, okay, he's saying, like, don't judge other people. Don't, just, just let them be. Let, 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 them, let, let them deal with their issues. You, you deal with yours. But he doesn't stop there. He says, take out the log in your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck in your brother's eye. The goal is that we deal with our own stuff and then we're able to help other people get the specks out of their eyes. You know, having a speck in your eye isn't, it sounds like, oh, that's not a big deal, but you, when you get a little piece of sawdust in your eye, like, that's a big deal. That, that messes you up. A little bit of sand. Like we, and if you can't get that out yourself, it's a blessing to have your friend come up and like get that thing out of your eye. And that's, that's God's goal. I, I have a friend who went to a wedding once. And there was a dude at the wedding who had a dirty Q-tip, like he had taken a Q-tip and cleaned out his ear, and then he stuck it over his ear, because he was going to put it there until he threw it away, but he forgot to throw it away. And he went to the wedding with his Q-tip over his ear. And he went through the whole wedding and the reception and everything, and no one told the guy. There was a nasty, waxy Q-tip over his ear. Now, what's the obvious question that should crop up in our minds when we hear that story? Do you have any friends? <laughs> yeah. Like, nobody. Nobody. I mean, even, like, not friends, but just someone with an ounce of compassion in their heart. Like, somebody should have, like, pulled the guy aside and said, hey, I just want to let you know, you got a Q-tip over there. You might want to take that out. Here, let me get it for you. Or even just like, you know, maybe the silent assassin just sneak up behind me and <laughs> grab that thing. You know, I, I would have been so much better, but nobody loved him enough to take that away. And if you really love people, you're going to want to help them with the issues in their life. But this, this is, so the third way to speak the truth of love is giving input. It's giving people constructive input into their lives. Um, but there are two, and I, I kind of summed it up like this, kind of this whole passage. This, the first part is, is what, what Eddie said. If you're not open to input from others, don't give input to others. You know, it, it's, we all, it's natural for us to give input to other people. But Jesus is saying, hey, don't judge unless you're willing to be judged by that same standard. You've got you to gotta be living it before you have the authority and before it's going to be a good thing for you to be speaking into somebody else's life. And it's made it so much easier to give other people advice, correction, input. But he's saying, hey, you look at your own life first. And you need to be open to receiving input from the Lord and receiving input from other people. And being at a place saying, I want to, I want to be teachable. I want to receive input from other people. I want to be judged. I want the stuff in my life to have the light of truth come to it so I can get help. And so, if you're not open to input from others, don't give input to others. But then, the second point is, if you love others, you will speak into their lives. If you don't speak into the lives of people around you, you don't love them. 
like the, the earwax dude. Now, it's important how you do that. It's going to need to do with gingerness, with speaking the truth in love, with care, with thoughtfulness, um, really, you know, being considerate and gracious, but, but knowing that ignoring the truth is not loving somebody. Proverbs 27.6 says this. It says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. That's, man, kind of counterintuitive to our emotions, but, but true. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. A good friend will wound us sometimes. And oftentimes in the, the kiss, there are many kisses and nice words being said, but it's actually an enemy in the results of what it does to our life. So, um, let me ask you guys this. What are some of the, what makes it hard to live this out? What are your hindrances to, to carrying this out? To first of all saying, hey, if I, I need to be open to input before I give input, and then if I love people, I will give them input. Just throw out your thoughts. Yeah, right. It's uncomfortable. Like, oh my goodness, this is pointing out their weakness, and that's a delicate thing. Yeah, Raleigh. That's a tricky one. That's a really tricky one. Yeah, and actually, I didn't read it, but I don't know if you guys saw the end of that. There was one more verse. Krista, can you flip back to that Matthew seven? I think it's verse. Uh, six. It says, do not give dogs what is holy. So right after it says, you, you take the speck out of your brother's eye, but then it says, don't give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Now, what's it talking about there? Basically saying, hey, the godly input, the truth in love to someone, that's a pearl. That's a valuable thing. But not everyone is ready for it. So it's, for some people, it's, it's putting pearls before swine. Like that, it's like giving a pearl necklace to a pig. And they just, they're just going to trample it in the mud and eat it, and it's a waste. And so you have to assess, is this person in a place where they can receive this truth that they need to hear? And some people, they just aren't. And that, that verse should put the fear of God in every one of us. Like, oh, am I a pig? Like, do I, when truth comes to me, am I receptive and open to receiving it? Or I do all my walls go up and all my arguments and defenses and my trampling that in the dirt? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's tricky and tough. And, and some people, they're just not ready. And so you have to make that assessment of, is this someone God's leading me to give this truth to? Are they, do they have the character? Are they ready for that? Yeah, good. Any other? What other hindrances to living this out? Yeah, Nathan. (laughs) (laughs) 
the best defense is a good offense, right? Like you just keep like. <laughs> yeah, very true, very true. Yeah, so we want to just. It's easy to just give it to others, and then that keeps the attention away from ourselves. Yeah. Any other thoughts? We kind of hit on a lot here. Hey, just our insecurities, right? Just. The, and, uh, Laura, you basically hit on that. It's feeling insecure about ourselves or other people's insecurities or defensiveness. That, that all makes this really tough. Well, I, I, I'll never forget a time. I had, had this, this friend I had met. He was from Egypt. He was an international student. And I really hadn't known him that long or had many conversations with him. But one day we, were, we ran to each other out on campus and we started a conversation, we started talking. Somehow I started talking to matters of faith and he knew I was a Christian and he was a Muslim. And he looked at me, he looked at me just straight in the eye and he said, Jonathan, do you believe that if I died I would go to hell? And I was, the wheels start turning in my mind because I do believe that the only way to an eternity with God is through faith in Jesus. But that's not an easy thing to communicate to somebody graciously. But he just asked me point blank, hey, if I died right now, would I go to hell? And so I, just, I tried my best to just give him a, a gracious but truthful answer. I was like, Ahmed, you know, I, I, I believe God loves you. I believe God has a plan for your life. He wants you to spend eternity with him and to live out your purpose in this life but just like you all of us I'm a sinner I'm we're all born sinners and God is holy and because he's a holy God there have to be consequences for our sin and therefore Jesus God sent Jesus to be the perfect man who would live a life and die for our sins so that if we trust in him and turn away from our sins we could be forgiven and spend eternity with him. But until that, I believe that everyone who doesn't put their trust in Jesus is still under the power of sin. And there, there is an eternal judgment. There is a reality of that. And so I said that just trying to be as soft and gracious and gentle as I could, but truthful. And as soon as I said it, he just sort of erupted like, oh man, I can't believe you said that. That's so offensive. Man, you can't believe you're saying about that about my religion and about me. Man, I, I can't believe you'd say that. Man, that's just, that's just crazy. And he just kind of erupted and went off. And like, okay, I was afraid this was going to happen. <laughs> Here we are. And then he kind of calmed down. And then we went back to our conversation. And it was about four minutes later, he just stopped and he goes, Jonathan, you're my best friend in the whole world. <laughs> I'm like, wow. <laughs> I mean... I like you too, <laughs> but you know that's kind of a big statement right there. But it was like it just hit me so powerfully that he knew that I cared enough about him to tell him the truth, and as he knew that that there were a lot of forces in, in play that made that a difficult thing to do. But he knew that I cared enough about him to tell him the truth, and man, hopefully, also just the gospel was beginning to seep into his heart too. And since I, I don't know what all was going on, but it's just I'll never forget that that I spoke the truth in love, and 
at first it didn't look very good, but then it made our relationship so much closer. And you know, conflict and confrontation is essential to great relationships. Their conflict doesn't always lead in great relationships, but it's an opportunity for great relationships. And if we want to have deep relationships with people, we have to be willing to go there. Like, we have to be willing to go into those places that are not comfortable, that can be offensive. But if we care enough about people, then we will, first of all, be willing to have that working in our own life. And then we'll be willing to go there with other people. So, I, you know, I was just thinking about this, that we, the danger of, or the easy thing with, with talking about love is we can have a love that doesn't really help people the way God wants them to be helped. And God is, that's God's heart. God doesn't just love us and be nice to us. He loves us enough to really help us, to really bring us into everything he has for us. And he wants us to be, to be those instruments to help bring that to others. Um, so, but we've got to be in the place of, of, of receiving that input ourselves. So, any thoughts or questions about this? Is that a question? Maybe it's not. Or is this a stroking of the beard? And then with the fall of sin, there became a distortion with good and bad. And I think our flesh says, what's good, we get confused in what's good. And what's bad, may be true. So when we receive, or we don't like to receive things, like, hey, you have a log in your eye, we see it as bad, our flesh says it's bad, but it's actually true. So... It's just, it goes to speak that, like, our flesh is at, at battle. And it's hard to see what's actually true. So a lot of times, mm-hmm. that you think it's bad, but yes. it's good. It's just, our flesh sees that it's bad, but it's actually, it's truth. Yeah. So everything that's good may not necessarily be, like, don't ask for good. Seek for good. It's right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> true, it's yeah. Body, yeah. Not so right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's like vegetables. Vegetables are true. Yeah, it's the nature of deception is when you're being deceived, you never know you're being deceived. If you knew you were being deceived, it wouldn't be deception. Right? And so the truth matters. And we all are prone to being, we all are deceived. We all get deceived. We all have areas of our life in which we're deceived. And our culture doesn't like the idea of truth. Our culture doesn't like the idea of there being an overarching truth that speaks to our life and calls us to a different way. But there has, if we all, those, it's blind spots. Like, we all have blind spots. Things that seem so right and good and this certain way to us. But we need the truth to come to us. And sometimes it feels like a sledgehammer. Sometimes it doesn't, we don't like the way it comes. But, yeah, because we can be deceived and good can seem bad and bad can seem good. We, we have to have that. Yeah. Good thought. I like it. Anything else?
Okay. Well, how do we move forward? Um, the first thing I just really want to leave us all with is that first part of really looking at our lives and asking the question, am I a disciple who is wanting to receive input from God? Directly from Him, um, from His Word, and also through other people. Because discipleship always involves other people bringing God's truth to us. And I really want to just leave us to, 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 with this question or assessing this is, man, am I, do I, do I want that? And if you do, I want to encourage you to find a friend who is living this out. A friend who is letting their life be shaped by God's word and receiving input. And tell that person, hey, I, I need more input in my life. I know I have blind spots. Would you help point out the blind spots that I have so that I can learn and grow? Would you help me to grow as a Christian? Would you help me to grow as a person by pointing those out? That is one of the best things you can do is begin to develop those relationships. And, you know, many of us are, are in those, and it, it can become, the goal is that it becomes just natural and organic. Not where you're, like, criticizing each other all the time, but there's encouragement, but there is a, like, speaking the truth. That's one of the things people like the most about teams that they're on, is that when you're on a team, there, there is more, like, sort of, like, and, and I think this is something where um, I've just, I, where guys can be really good at this sometimes when it's on a team, and sometimes it's less natural, I think, for women, but where they just, even in a weird way, where they're like giving digs to each other all the time and like pointing out each other's weaknesses and faults, but you know, hey, we're, we're in a friend group, we're on a team, that there's an appreciation about that. That's really what, how, what God wants all of us to have, is people in our life that speak the truth, and don't have to be slow about it, but it's because you know um, they love you. So find someone who will help you live that out in your life and be assertive about it. And then ask God, I just want to encourage you to ask God to open your eyes to people around you. And maybe you shouldn't start this yet, but say, God, I want you to change me in a degree to, a, to the degree that I'm living this out so that then I can start helping other people get those specks out of their eye and help them grow and become who God's called them to be too. So, all right. Well, let's just, let's pray. Lord, right now I ask that you would speak to every one of our hearts what, what you want us to hear, what you're saying to us. Now, let this not just be a nice theory, but Lord, I pray that you would help bring us more fully into receiving your truth and speaking your truth. Just take a minute. I would ask, ask, ask this question. Just if, you, if you want to pray this, pray this with me in your own heart. Lord, would you show me what, how you want me to apply this in my life? God, thank you for that. And help us. Help us to live this out. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.